welcome everybody back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. I don't think I've ever started an episode that way, but here we are living in a brave new world. My name is Dan Roselle and I'm here with John Fisher. Hello, John. Hello, Dan. Have you spent your money wisely in the past day or so? Because the NHL the NHL may not be able to say the same. Uh, in the past day or so, uh, yeah, past day or so, I can confirm that I spent my money wisely, but... Um, you're obviously alluding to the free agent frenzy that began on Friday. We're recording this two days later, and it seems that the Devils have made a move of consequence at least once a day since uh, Thursday, we can say, yep. uh, when the Devils took a few steps over the past few days to just shore up some gaping holes in their team and holes that everyone knew they would have to address, including a defenseman, including a an upgrade at the wing for the two marquee centers that they allegedly have, and the uh, upgrade at backup goalie, which ended up being a significant one by just adding the letter E. So let's start with the first of these moves, which was acquiring defenseman Ryan Murray from the Columbus Blue Jackets for a fifth round pick, which is, that's a haul for the Devils right there for someone that, if healthy, he can definitely play top four minutes and play them well. Exactly. And that's, a you want to highlight that in capital letters, bold, underline, italics, you know, increase the font size, if healthy. Because mm-hmm. that's been Ryan Murray's biggest problem since joining the NHL. He's only played two seasons of 60 games or more. He's only played one season of more than 60 games. And that season was four seasons ago. Um, he most missed most of last season with back issues. This year prior, it was something else. It's always something with Ryan Murray, but you're absolutely right. When he is healthy, he is a solid defenseman. He's not going to give you a lot of offensive production, but he understands that the role of defense is not to keep playing defense. It's to get the puck out of your zone, get it onto your player's stick, and help facilitate the play forward. He's been good at that in Columbus, and you know he's got a lot of good skills for that. what you want in a defenseman. He's smart. He doesn't take a lot of, you know, hefty risks. You know, he's not going to pinch his way into oblivion. He understands what he is and is not capable of doing. The only issue with Murray has been staying healthy. Mm -hmm. But for a fifth round pick, you absolutely take a chance on a guy like this. That's because a fifth rounder may not make it to the NHL. Whereas Ryan Murray, God forbid, he doesn't get hit by a car in the next month or so. He's going to play at least one NHL game for the Devils in 2020-2021. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, for the price of a fifth-round pick, like it's rare that a fifth-round pick manifests anyway. But for someone that not only doesn't have that much longer of a contract, it's worth the risk for someone who could significantly improve the team. This is this is not like, you know, we're taking a flyer on a Mirko Mueller who just hasn't panned out for like Ryan Murray has proven results here uh, in Columbus as a shutdown defenseman. That's something that the devils are severely lacking, especially on the left side. So he pairs nicely with a couple of the guys on the right side who want to push the pace a little more. And like you said, if he stays healthy, this is a risk-free, almost uh, immediate huge upgrade for the Devils. So definitely something encouraging to see on day one or right before free agency started. And when free agency started, the Devils were pretty quiet all day long. Uh, they didn't all day. They didn't really do anything, nor was there an indication that they'd be involved in anything. And then somewhere around like 11, 11.30, we got news that Fitzgerald was pushing his media availability to the next day 
since the Devils weren't quite done working. And that deal of course. was for Corey Crawford in goal, and he's going to be the 1B to Mackenzie Blackwood's 1A. He's brought in to serve a mentorship role, and Corey Crawford, behind the league's worst defense last year, put up some really decent numbers. So the Devils trade out Corey with with just a Y Schneider for Corey with an EY Crawford, and as in doing so have significantly made their goaltending position more stable. Right. I mean, the big story on day one of free agency, Dan, was that goaltenders were the order of the day. The big names going into free agency, like Taylor Hall, Alex Pietrangelo, they stayed quiet. They did nothing. And uh, some of the other bigger names in free agency did also nothing because they were waiting for those aforementioned names to do something. So goaltenders pretty much took the spotlight and a lot of teams needed goaltender help. The Devils bought out Corey Schneider. Uh, His seven years in New Jersey are over. Uh, He obviously passed through unconditional waivers. He was officially bought out on free on the first day of free agency. So that's done and dusted. So the devils absolutely positively, totally definitely needed a goaltender. And you're seeing the names go away. Lungfist goes to Washington. Talbot goes to Minnesota, Minnesota. Thank you. I always mix this up. Holpe went to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Markstrom went for way stupid money to go to Calgary. Right. Mike and Smith back to Edmonton, <laughs> which is even dumber actually. Uh, <laughs> But so you're the devils. You're sitting here going, okay, the the pool of goaltenders was pretty large, but it's starting to get thinner and thinner. And you're starting to wonder who's left. And thankfully, Fitzgerald took care of business on the first day. He didn't wait till the next day. He didn't wait to see if anybody else would go before making a move. And as you pointed out, Dan, I actually have to disagree with you, Dan. Crawford did not put up decent numbers behind the worst defense in the NHL last season. He put up great numbers behind the worst <laughs> defense in the NHL last season. Let me hit you with some numbers. Per natural stat trick, here's his five-on-five situations, which is always the most important since that's the most common situation in hockey. He put up a 92.6 save percentage in five-on-five. Does that sound familiar? It should because that was Mackenzie Blackwood's mm-hmm. save percentage last season. His goal save above average in those situations was 7.92, which is 11th best in the NHL. And that's even without filtering for games played. So among regulars, that's in the top 10 for sure. And his high danger save percentage was 86.4%. That doesn't sound very high. Well, let me tell you, there was only four goaltenders last season who had a better save percentage in high danger situations. Jake Allen, Tuka Rask, Mackenzie Blackwood, and Jordan Binnington. That's it. That's the list. So Crawford, was literally playing, if you thought Blackwood was very good last season, and he was really good in those uh, last few months with the Devils, Crawford was playing like that in his 40 games with Chicago last season. For a guy who just turned 35, he does have a bit of an injury history, and oh yeah, he's played already 10 seasons with Chicago. You know, if there's a guy to bet on, this is the guy to bet on as a veteran 1B mentor slash backup support guy for Blackwood. This was a great signing. The only reason why I'm not doing backflips over it is because he is over 35. And those players, who knows if they're going to fall off a cliff anytime soon. But for two seasons, great, great signing. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of reasons that uh, a lot of teams are doing the two season deal. It seems like a lot of players are getting either short term, like one season big money or two season. No one's really getting that big seven-year contract i mean a few players have obviously but most players are doing the two-year bridges because of the expansion draft coming up and just allowing more opportunities for potential players to be exposed in that expansion draft but yeah this is a 
great deal for the Devils. Last year, whenever there was a goalie not named Mackenzie Blackwood in net, it was pretty much an automatic loss going into the game. You really couldn't trust any of the other goalies uh, in Schneider, no. Deming, Sen, whatever, to have any sort of reliable performance given the fact that the Devils' defense was very porous. And now hearing that Chicago's defense was somehow more porous, allowing more high-danger opportunities, and Crawford handled them well to the point where Chicago actually made the play-in, at least, I don't want to say that the system is going to remain the same, the Devils are going to give up a lot of chances, but that possibility certainly exists, and it's better to have someone who's used to playing in that kind of environment and used to making saves there, rather than goalies who maybe need a little bit more help from the defense, but get completely exposed when they don't have it. Exactly, and that's the other reason why I like this signing being only two years, is because it does give... Gillis Sen, Akira Schmidt, most importantly, Nico Dawes, a little more time to develop. There's no pressure on them to say, hey, you need to be NHL ready like right now because we don't have anybody else in the system. Um, they can go and fully develop in Binghamton, in Adirondack, at Guelph, wherever. And by the time Crawford is 37, maybe he does get picked in that uh, Seattle expansion draft. Maybe he doesn't. But by that time, you'll have a better idea of whether or not you need to go back to free agency to get another backup goalie. You'll have a better idea if Blackwood is truly, you know, a guy who could play 50 games, 60 games a season, and you have a better idea of who's in your system. So this is this is a great, quote unquote, stopgap signing. And the money doesn't matter that much because the Devils had oodles of cap space. And with this signing and the Murray acquisition, they were officially over just just actually not officially over the cap floor, just under the cap floor by less than a million dollars, meaning they were effectively going to be over it once they start signing players. And the Devils still have an oodle of cap space, which is they still do, which is something that Tom Fitzgerald used to his advantage the next day as the Devils continued wheeling and dealing, and they traded for Andreas Janssen of the Toronto Maple Leafs. They traded away Joey Anderson, so uh, good luck to Anderson there. He was just starting to crack the lineup in New Jersey, uh, but they, you know, given the fact they just drafted four centers, I completely understand why Anderson ended up being an expendable piece here. And Janssen immediately provides wing help to Nico Heischer or Jack Hughes, and he's an upgrade in the middle six for sure. He's someone who um, was producing about a half point per game in a role alongside some significant stars up in Toronto. Uh, and, you know, he has an opportunity to play further up in the lineup in New Jersey as well. And he's still under 26 years old. So the Devils are getting a young, controllable player for someone who's in a bit of a logjam situation in terms of their prospect pool. And again, the price is right. Toronto needed the salary relief and the Devils end up with a pretty good winger. Absolutely. This is actually analogous to the Cal Palmieri trade back from the 2015 draft. Now, granted, that's, this is not pick for player, but the, the logic of why Anaheim made that move back in 2015, Anaheim was very open about it. They literally came out and said, look, Palmieri's playing well. We have a bunch of guys coming up on contract soon. We don't know if we can afford him when he needs a new contract. So we needed to move him. So they did. Same with uh, Johnson here is that um, while he's already signed for another three seasons, you know, Toronto is in a bit of a cap crunch. They needed some relief and they looked at their roster and said, okay, this guy is expendable. And in Toronto situation, the concern was whether or not they were going to have to move Nylander or maybe move Kerfoot. Um, so they opted to move this guy instead. And they get Anderson, who currently needs a new contract. He split time between the AHL and the NHL in his two seasons as a professional. I do like Anderson's future, but his future is bottom six right winger slash penalty killer. 
Johnson gives you more than that. He can play on the second line. He's immediately the team's second best left winger behind Nikita Gusev or Jesper Brat if you want to put Brat on his natural side. Um, this means you don't have to see Miles Wood in the top six. That's always a win. <laughs> but Johnson, you know, yeah, the production isn't amazing, but what he's really good at is helping move the play forward. Mm -hmm. He was very good at five on five and pushing the play forward in terms of attempts, in terms of shots in terms of high danger and, and regular scoring chances, in terms of expected goals and actual goals. And yes, he did play with Austin Matthews and Nylander. However, the fact that his five-on-five five stats were still good among those guys means that he can hang with the best players. He can hang with those guys. So there is some reason to believe that he can be a player driver in New Jersey, which as a team for the past several seasons, they just did not have enough of them. So even if there's a bit of a downturn because he doesn't have a Matthews next to him, he should be useful in that regard. And he should also be useful for the power play too, because he did Toronto did quite well from a process perspective when he was on the ice on power plays as well. So you, you address a position of need. The devils needed a top six winger. They got one and all they had to give up was Joey Anderson. Yeah. So which for the cost of isn't much. Anderson, a little bit of salary cap space in the fifth round pick, even if none of these, you know, signings were to manifest and there's, no indication that at least one of them won't pan out for the for the cost of just anderson a fifth and some salary cap space like the risk is entirely worth it even if the devils find themselves in the same position they've basically lost nothing because uh yeah. jansen's deal runs for three more years um mm -hmm. three or four more years i don't remember exactly it's three okay so three more years crawford's deal runs for two more and murray's runs for one more so the devils don't they didn't tie themselves to long bad deals necessarily as a relief of cap space. They tied themselves to cost effective deals that don't last that much longer. And they can really see who they have in the pipeline and want to potentially fill those places. If these players don't pan out, obviously it would be great if they panned out, it would be great if they, you know, got the best from what they saw in Murray and were able to assign him to a further contract. But that remains to be seen whenever the season gets back into play. But again, the the cost for acquiring these players and significantly making upgrades to three very needed areas of the ice was very, very palpable. It's it's very easy to digest losing these assets so far to provide what could be a significant change to this roster. So good job from Fitzgerald to start free agency so far. And it's mostly done through trades, but is there anyone else that you're seeing out there that the Devils could and should target? Well, there. I still think that the Devils could use another defenseman and another winger. I mean, as much as the Devils have a lot of young players, and that's another reason why I don't mind the Anderson um, trade, uh, trading away Anderson, rather, is because the Devils have over 50 players under the age of 25 in the system. Like, you need to start moving. Like, some of these guys either need to show what they're worth or you need to start moving them before they show that they are not worth very much. So even though I think Anderson will be an NHL player, he'll have his uses, he's not going to be one of those guys that you're going to terribly miss because you also have in the system Nathan Bastion. You have Jesper Volkfist who can play all three positions. And, oh, yeah, you just drafted Alexander Holtz, who's going to be your future top right winger, we hope. So, you know, you have to move on some of these guys. So, you know, but that being said, you don't want to necessarily hand a young player a roster spot immediately. You don't want them to go into camp knowing that they don't have to try so hard or they don't have to compete as hard because they know they're going to get a spot. So get it going out. If they can go out and get like Anthony Duclair, mm -hmm. 
that would be a big coup. That would definitely be bigger than just, you know, get us just a stopgap guy. Cause I think Duclair is a very good player. Um, you know, the fact that he did not re-sign in Ottawa, he did not accept his qualifying offer. He's betting on himself. I think, you know, there are worse guys to bet on, right? You know, he's a very good player and he's somebody that, um, I think would definitely fit in well in New Jersey in terms of defense, you know, it's kind of slim pickings here, <laughs> you know, um, I would really like it if the Devils short up the defense with one more veteran since Murray is an injury concern and you're really rolling the dice if Ty Smith and Kevin Ball are ready for the NHL right away. So you might want to have another defenseman available just to fill in a spot for a season or two just to guide the younger players along, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I'm just briefly looking at the list here. You definitely should be avoiding the Andy Greens and the Cody Ceces of the world yeah. uh, for sure. Um, I don't know if Travis Hamanick is totally interested for just a season or two to be that veteran right side defenseman. I mean, I think he's probably too big considering you have Severson and Subban who are going to play the big minutes on that side. Um, But, you know, if you want to really reach for say, I'm kind of stretching here, like a Derek Forbert as a Mueller replacement for lack of a better term. Uh, maybe a Brandon Manning. Like these are not sexy names by any means. And I could argue that maybe they're not great names, but that's just kind of the nature of who's left on the market. That isn't just like outright no deal. Right. Uh, I think the wingers are definitely more palatable. I mentioned Duclair. I meant, you know, just realized Matthias Janmark is available. That would actually be a solid left wing option. If you really want to start trying to move out for miles wood, which maybe the devil should consider. Um, on the right side, that's probably the bigger need. If you want to have Connor Sheary as a veteran fill-in for a season, that probably wouldn't be the worst idea in the world either. There's there's still some movement that, that Fitzgerald can go in without necessarily blowing big money on a big name because I don't think the Devils are going to do that, nor do I think they're in a position to go out and do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they can make these moves, shore up the roster a little bit, let the younger guys flow into the team naturally or when they're ready more more precisely and then this way you're not you know you're not up to the cap you're not hurting the budget and you're in a better position for a more competitive team in 2020-2021 yeah they they have a lot of interesting names still out there might you know and it's the risk of overpayment is much less significant to them than it is for a lot of other teams given the cap space that they have and Again, you have to consider that expansion is happening in two years. So a lot of players are strategizing around uh, signing deals that make sense for when either that expires or when they could potentially be exposed for an expansion draft to go to Seattle. I think that is not an undesirable destination for a lot of uh, players potentially who may get opportunities there that they would not have gotten on their teams originally. Absolutely. And on top of that, with Seattle coming in, hopefully by then, knock on wood, the world is more back to normal. We'll have fans in the the attendance and revenues can start going back up because I think that's the other factor that I think everybody is fully aware of. They know that teams are setting internal budgets below the cap. We've seen some teams shed a lot of salary that otherwise would be big market teams like Boston has less than $70 million under their cap. L.A., I mean, granted, L.A. is a bad team, but they, you know, they could be big spenders. They only have $67 million on their cap. Our hated rivals absolutely have tons of money to spend. They have spent less money on their roster right now than New Jersey has right at this moment as we're talking. Mm-hmm. So the point I'm trying to make here is that I think a lot of players have decided to bet on themselves, so to speak, and say, all right, we know that the cap's 
flat for this season. It might be flat for next season. So when hopefully things are back to normal, the cap will go up and my opportunities to make more money will improve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's still a bunch of players floating out there uh, looking for homes. Some of the biggest names have still not signed with the team. Uh, there's a pretty good indication that Pietrangelo is leaving St. Louis, given the fact that they signed Tory Krug to a pretty big deal. Yes. Um, the you know the Taylor Hall situation continues to play out, which I'm pretty sure the Devils are not monitoring at all. But there's also a bunch of wingers that are behind Taylor Hall just waiting to see what kind of deal he gets before they uh, chase their own deals, like Mike Hoffman, for example, uh, Evgeny Dadunov as well, probably waiting for more news to come out. So there's there's plenty of wingers still in play. I'm wondering if the Devils have their eye on any of them or if they're looking to make more aggressive additions via trade instead. Yeah, I mean, and that's sort of the benefit of having, as mentioned, over 50 under 25 players. Yeah. 50 players under the age of 25 in your system. You have tons of cap space. You've got picks. I mean, the fifth rounder they gave up for Murray was their own fifth. But guess what? They own Buffalo's fifth because of the Wayne Simmons deal. Mm -hmm. So they didn't really lose, like, and, and it's a fifth rounder. Who cares if you're not in the fifth round? Right. But the point is, is that they have assets to spend here. So they, they could go in a lot of different directions. Or alternatively, they could say, this is it. We're going to rely on the younger players. We're going to hope the younger players improve. And then we'll take a bigger step forward towards competitive hockey in the following season, which will hopefully be a full, proper, standard 82-game season with where you and I can go to games mm -hmm. and the salary cap can go up and, and, you know, the draft will be in June and free agency will be in July instead of this, you know, we're just throwing everything together whenever we can, however we can <laughs> sort of situation. Because I think that's the other factor why this free agency period has been so slow is because – I think teams got used to the fact that you could talk to free agents between the draft and free agency on July 1st, and therefore you set up your deals then. And then, yeah, it makes for a very boring July 1st, but activity happens, mm -hmm. as opposed to this year where the it, noon hits and the only signing that comes out of the blue is Wayne Simmons signing a one-year deal with Toronto, which is you know hardly the you know new, breaking news hot way to start free, free agent it's friendly. It's not a marquee bigger, item there. <laughs> I think the only marquee item before you know the goalie started going was Tyler Johnson being placed on waivers because mm -hmm. Tampa Bay is under a cap crunch and thankfully the rest of the NHL said we are not helping you out we're not taking that on it's, it seems like deal with it Tampa Bay. the rest of the NHL is really not interested in helping teams out of their cap crunch this year which I think is more a function of the fact that their own uh, internal caps have been set rather than the fact that they finally realize that it's not smart to help good teams out of their cap crunch I think exactly that, that's what the, you know, I, I think the situation is way more leaning towards, oh, we, we can't help you out. Sorry, we really tried, but we don't have the money to do that instead of, no, we shouldn't let good teams stay good because they have salary cap issues. Exactly. It's, and, and we also see this with Vegas, too, because one of the hotter rumors for the past couple of days was Vegas trying to trade away Marc-Andre Fleury. And teams are basically saying, no, we're not going to take a first in Fleury. We want a second, too. We want this. Mm. We want that. Like, they're just kind of over a barrel, so to speak. And if they're truly in on Alex Pietrangelo, you know, teams are just going to be, like, incredibly unhelpful. And, of course, for Tampa Bay, going back to them briefly, you know, I feel a little bit bad for Julian Breezeball, the GM, who's going to have to take a really terrible deal to move Tyler Johnson. Because you already placed the guy on waivers. You pretty much killed the relationship at this point. <laughs> you know, I can't imagine Tyler Johnson's going to be super happy going back into camp for that team, even, you know, with a cup ring on his hand to say, look, you wanted to get rid of me for nothing. Right. Now you want me to play for you? 
Yeah, fat chance. On, it's not gonna happen. It, exactly, it's gonna poison the locker room. So, good, good, good luck ter- accepting the terrible deal you just bound yourself to make, Mister Breezewah. Given I seen his contract, I don't think it should be New Jersey, Dan. <laughs> I, I think it should be somebody else who takes that on, Ottawa. Uh, but that's for other teams to decide. Yeah, and uh, for in, in terms of checking in with former Devils who were on the move during the free agent frenzy, you mentioned Wayne Simmons signing with Toronto. John Merrill went to Detroit uh, from Vegas. He's a name that a couple of uh, people were looking at as a potential defensive defenseman. Um for New Jersey, but it's not to be. He went to join Steve Eiserman in Detroit. Good. And then also, um, a couple of Devils crossed across the Hudson and went to the New York Rangers and Kevin Rooney and Keith Kincaid, which is, whew, if you've heard anything we've said over the last, I don't know, over a year, and if you've heard anything that has been, or if you've seen anything that's been on Twitter, maybe even unfairly in a lot of cases, uh, those two players were not players the Devils wanted back. And if they can't make the Devils, then I don't know why the Rangers are throwing out flyers on guys like that. But that's none of my business. Uh, those well, are just some well, I former could, Devils getting yeah. some love there. Well, Kincaid was basically signed to be expansion protection for Georgiev and Shostorkin. So, I mean, there's a logic to that one. I think that signing was made on the understanding of you're going to Hartford, man. Right. They're just going to go to Hartford. We know you suck. We we know you're bad. You're going you're gonna go play in the AHL and I think Kincaid's at the point of his career where he's like, A contract's a contract, man. Yeah. I'll go wherever. And the the fact they signed Kevin Rooney and then hours later signed Anthony Batetto and the bought out Jack Johnson. <laughs> um I I am convinced our hated rivals have decided they're just gonna lean on their top guys. <laughs> you know, you know, you would think you know, good teams have good depth players. You know, they may not be wonder kids or guys who have impressive skills but even you know say what you want about him but you know a carter vandegay wasn't a terrible player for tampa bay you know you just need a guy you can rely on in those limited minute positions you mean verhage yeah it, or verhage I, I can't even pronounce the guy's <laughs> name that's that's how much but the point i'm trying to make here is that really good teams have at least reliable guys. Right. maybe not impressive guys <laughs> like super good guys but just reliable guys the rain, our hated rivals went out and got one of the worst contributors on a really bad New Jersey Devils team last season. They got Jack Johnson, who has been an analytical black hole for his entire career, but has been getting by on the fact that, you know, he's strong and he's passionate and he's tough, even though he's not good at playing the game of ice hockey. Um, and then they went out and got Anthony Batetto, who I was not fully aware of how truly terrible he was in Nashville. So... Good job, our hated rivals. Maybe you'll finish eighth in the division next season after all. Yeah, and I, you know what? If they want to, you know, if they want to kneecap their own rebuild, that's that's up to them. I I don't mind. Hey, Mirko Mueller's still available, Rangers. If they just want to keep, go get yourself a Mirko Mueller. If they just want to keep putting together expansion fodder, that's that's no problem with me. Uh, but you know, in in terms of that, they're going to be very top loaded. That's just the reality of the situation. Uh, we'll see if that works out for them. Well, from the Devils' perspective, their top guys have to get a little better. Their top guys have to develop a little more and become the top guys that they thought they'd be relying on when they drafted them as highly as they did. And I'm not just talking about the first overalls. We're, we're, we're talking about people we've mentioned over uh, over weeks now and really over years to really hit their strides. So 
that's the news there on the opening of free agency. In terms of other Devils news, uh, we can confirm, I mean, a lot of people did confirm before, but Tom Fitzgerald confirmed that Elaine Nazardine would be returning to Lindy Ruff's staff. And also the fact that Mike Greer would not be joining them there. Greer is elected to uh, spend some time with his family um, and not be an NHL assistant coach for this year. So the Devils are still missing uh, another assistant and a goalie coach, I believe. Yeah, they still have to replace Roland Melanson. Mm-hmm. And so now they have uh, Corey Crawford and Mackenzie Blackwood forming one of potentially the best batteries in the NHL, but no one to coach them. So I'm wondering who the candidates even are at this point and who is the kind of, whether they'll go with experience or whether they'll go with some new age training method coach for this role. I guess that's something we'll find out once we get closer to the season. I I don't really have any insight into specifics there. Yeah. I mean, this isn't like football where, you know, you can just look at a team and they have like 18 coaches and everybody has an opinion on every positional coach, you know, imaginable. This is such an inside baseball question where it's almost like you almost want to say, does Ruff know a guy? Does Recky know a guy? Does Fitzgerald know a guy? Does Crawford know a guy? I mean, for all all we know, Crawford may just say, oh, this guy is my goalie coach or this guy's a goalie coach I liked. And you just kind of go with it and you, you can't say no, because who else are you going to go out and complain? You know, who else are you going to go out and say, no, I want this guy instead? Like, but they'll, fill, they'll figure it out, Dan. They've got time. We don't know when the season will be, so they have presumably a lot of time to figure it out and they just got another goalie to work with as as we sit here recording this news just came through that uh undre- unrestricted free agent scott wedgwood is signing a one-year two-way contract with the devils uh to basically split the net with Gillis send in binghamton so that's some news old devil scott wedgwood now stanley cup winner scott wedgwood comes back <laughs> to new jersey he was tampa's third string bubble goalie uh got his name on the cup which is impressive for him and he's back in the devil system and he never really got a chance to show himself here so i guess he'll be in binghamton with jillis and eventually nico dawes yep uh he's been primarily in the ahl outside of 20 poor games with arizona in 27-18 uh he spent 2018-19 with rochester he spent 2019-20 mostly with syracuse he's going to binghamton which he played one game for in 2017-18. There was like a short time he stayed there. So he's coming back to Binghamton, everybody. We can at least say that. So welcome back to the organization, Mr. Wedge. And also Corey Massasak just said that in Fitzgerald's press availability that he was giving this morning, the goaltending coach specifically was not uh, mentioned by him, but he does plan to create a goaltending department uh, which is headed by Scott Clemenson with assistance from Martin Brodeur. Those are two pretty good guys to be running your goaltending department. So um, we'll we'll see what that search can dig up here, as those are two very experienced goaltenders and very strong ties to the Devils organization. Absolutely, and it's one of those things that you know bloggers like myself like to constantly bring up is that yes, player rosters have a cap. Staff positions do not. So by all means, if you've got the resources to make a department, hire additional coaches, have a specialist skating coach, a shooting coach, whatever, go do it. You can totally do it if if you if your owner agrees with it. So I look forward to see what they do with this department. Yeah. And uh, what else we got in terms of Devils news? We're continuing free agency. Just be on the lookout for uh, other potential signings by the Devils. And also trades. They have plenty of assets that they could still whip around but i don't think anything else specifically happened do you 
I'm not aware, but given that I just found out about the Wedgwood signing from you, yeah. uh, um, it's a frenzy, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, do we all, does any of us know, truly know what's going on? Yeah. And that's the thing. The news is developing by the minute. So by the time this episode goes up, it's very likely the devils will have one or two additional signings in or trades made since, uh, fit seems to be working pretty diligently, despite what people may have thought the first day of free agency. Um, so by the time you listen to this, just keep in mind, whatever deals come in after uh, the time of recording, we'll be sure to cover them on the next week and how they um, how they impact the Devils moving forward, especially in this confusing, maybe won't even happen season. Right. But at the very minimum, we can all agree the Murray trade was a good trade. The Johnson trade was a good trade and signing Crawford was a very good signing. Yeah, so far, so good start to it. And again, None of this means anything if it doesn't manifest on the ice. As we saw, the Devils, quote-unquote, won the offseason last year, and they seem to be doing pretty well to start this one. But, again, that means nothing if it doesn't get put together on the ice. And that's going to be up to the new coaching staff. That's going to be up to the players themselves to uh, really drastically improve on whatever they managed to put together last year. So, the Devils, also in that draft that happened uh, earlier this week, they honored a 13-year-old with cystic fibrosis, Riley Hoagland from Tom's River. Uh, he was an honorary draft pick of the New Jersey Devils. So congratulations, Riley. Welcome to the Devils, and um, happy that uh, they're your favorite team. And you know, keep fighting your fight. And uh, we're still looking out for new research on cystic fibrosis every day. So uh, keep doing the work. And the Devils, you got you got a real winner on your hands here in Hoagland. So congratulations to them as well. Well said. Changing gears slightly, if just one final note for me, Dan, is that uh, on the site, as by the time this post shows up, our annual top 25 under 25 survey will be up for you, the people who matter, to vote on the top players under the age of 25 that are in the system. It does not include our um, the recent uh, draftee that you've named, since I think at the age of 12, he's, it's not really fair to include him among the other well, He is 13, players. after all. <laughs> oh, okay, my mistake. He's 13. Um, the point is is that, you know, a lot of these lists are made based on achievements, but they're also, built, also based on potential. And when you're 13, you have boundless amounts of potential. You know, you could be a lot of different things from the age of 13. So it's not really fair to the Nico Heeshers and the Jack Hughes and the Wanted Cockinins and the David Quenvilles to you know, go up against you know our, our recent uh, pick here. So he's not included in this list. However, there are 52 players <laughs> in the system that you can vote on, and I encourage you all have at least a week to vote on them. So take your time, look them over. It's an exercise in perception. We this is the ninth year we're doing this. Your vote will count. The other writers' vote will count, and then we will go through the top 25 um, over the following weeks as we await news of hopefully a training camp, a preseason something before the end of the year involving the New Jersey Devils. And, and to be completely fair, see. like at a certain point, all these prospects look like they're 13 years old. I don't think he looks any younger than Alexander Holtz does, to be honest with you. I don't know. He, <laughs> I think Shakir Mukamadoulin definitely looks older than 13. <laughs> Even Shakir has a little bit of a baby face going on. Yeah, but that's just it. A little bit. It's true. You know, it's true. He, he, he's at least 15, Dan. He's at least 15. That's correct. Um, and we'll see when he's able to come over, but be tracking his performances in the KHL as well. But yeah, the the 25 under 25. It's a list I look forward to each year, uh, you know, before and after I join the site. And 
really it's it's going to be extensive there's a lot of work to be done as we sift through what is going to be one of the youngest iterations of the devils in their entire history oh yeah in fact i'm glad you mentioned that because this list dan only has three players at the age of 24 so if it's 52 now it could be even bigger next year when you include next year's draft class and whomever else the devils decide to bring Mm -hmm. in so you know there's not going to be a lot of guys aging out of this list which means guess what your NHL team and your AHL team is going to stay young for at least another couple of years, which is both a, a very good thing because, hey, bright futures, it's a quarter build around. You can, you you know, if the team gets good, you can say, I was following this team when they were all young and developing. And, you know, th- there's a lot of pride in that as a fan. Of course, the negative is they might not hit their potential <laughs> and they might not be that good. And, you know, their their development may stall or or go in the wrong direction and pick up a bad habit and therefore not be so good. And then we're back to relying on a different set of young players. So it's going to be an exciting time. I encourage you all to check out the big list, take your time, fill out the survey, and your voice will be included because you are indeed the people who matter. And your voice matters at All About the Jersey. And so with that in mind, uh, we'll bring this episode to a close. We've got Hopefully more news to discuss with you next week as the Devils continue to make moves in this weird off season. But that all being said, thank you again for listening. Let's go Devils and let's go Tom Fitzgerald. Keep making moves. And again, we'll, we'll catch you next week uh, for for more information as it comes available. And we'll obviously have posts on the site as the deals come through. They just won't be reflected on the podcast until uh, the week after. So that all being said, Let's wrap it up. Bye, everybody. Let's go Devils. Go Devils.